JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. I'm Brian Noe in for JMV. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Pleased to welcome in Jeff Rabjohns. Covers IU hoops for Peaks.com. So, Jeff, um, I, you know what? Let's, let's start on a positive note here, right? Because IU 14 and 11, it's been disappointing. There's been a lot of criticism. Have you heard any common criticisms of the team that you think goes a little bit too far, a little unfair in your opinion? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think some of the stuff that I see occasionally on social media uh, is a little nasty, but during these times, that's that happens on social media. You know, social media kind of becomes almost like a bathroom wall at a biker's bar. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> people just don't have any filter at all. Um, so I don't know. I just don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. But it's it just it is what it is. But it's just it doesn't really matter. Man, yeah, the bathroom wall of a biker bar. That is an outstanding uh, description of what Twitter can or X can turn into at times. Man, I I might have to steal that from you. Feel free, feel free. Yeah, no copyright, <laughs> nothing. It's out there. It's out there. Everybody can borrow. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, if you were to list, Jeff, say your top two reasons why the season has been a disappointment for Indiana, what would you say those reasons are? Uh, number one, guard play. They just haven't gotten enough good guard play. And a lot of that is, is Xavier um, being being hurt, being out, and asking a freshman to start. Um, and, you know, Gabe Cups just isn't ready for this. And that's not Gabe Cups' fault. You know, he was not brought in to be a starting point guard in the Big Ten as a freshman. So this isn't his fault. Um, so I would start with guard play, and I would lump Xavier Johnson's injury into the guard play category because he's not out there. He's not playing. And I, I think the second thing is, um, you know, they just I, – I, I think it's a shooting problem. You know, you, you don't have enough guys to, you know, who can go out there and make threes. And you kind of, you know, that's almost like a shooting problem slash roster construction. You know, they went out during the off season instead of getting multiple guards and wings who could shoot, you got a backup center in Peyton Sparks and a backup power forward in Anthony Walker. What what are what did you expect Sparks and Walker to do to impact winning in the Big Ten? I mean, I just thought it, it didn't make any sense. You know, and that's nothing against those guys as people; they're great people. But I'm talking positionally and skill set. Indiana would be far better served if those two, those two uh, off-season acquisitions were guards or wings. 
Then Xavier goes down. You've got two other guys. Maybe you've got a combo guard who can handle the ball, who's a junior or a senior or a fifth-year senior. Maybe you've got another wing, you know, uh, who can actually, like, break down the opponent, um, get shots, slash, create. Um, so I think, to me, I think those are the two biggest things. If you want to talk about cat- categories that really impacted IU having a bad season, those are the things that stand out, I think, the most. I'm not saying those are the only things. It's like that old Mike Ditka quote when he was asked about the Bears' defense when it was terrible one year. He said, there is not one thing wrong with the defense. There are many. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where it is with IU's roster right now. Yeah. Um, we just look where they're at. I mentioned 14-11, and 6-8 in conference play. Uh, did you anticipate it being like this? Uh, what were your expectations compared to the reality for IU this season? No, I mean, Woodson spent the offseason talking about how they were going to play more four out, one in. <clears throat> um, I'd seen enough of McKenzie and Baco. I knew that if you unleash him, you'd have a double-figure score, um, which they finally did later on. And, you know, he's now second-leading scorer in the Big Ten among freshmen, 11.3 points per game. But I thought they were going to unleash him early. I thought they were going to run, you know, ball screen stuff, get X going downhill, and have him kick it out. Uh, I thought Trey Galloway's shooting from last year would at least continue to some degree. Not saying 40-plus percent, but still, you know, it's, if you're shooting over 40 percent, you need to shoot more. And I thought they would increase his volume of threes. That hasn't happened. I thought with the defensive length on the front court, they'd be able to create some pressure. That hasn't happened. I thought with the defensive length on the front court, they'd be an outstanding rebounding team. That hasn't happened. So there, there are a lot of things that, that are that – are, that are below expectations right now for, for, for Indiana basketball for this season. If you look um, in the Big Ten Conference in general, would you say, is there a team that is a greater um, surprise in a good way than IU has been a big surprise in a bad way? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say... Northwestern probably would come the closest to falling into that category. Um, you know, they're they're top forty in the country in Bartorvik, um, nine and six in the conference. Uh, they've got a couple nice road wins, so I think they're probably the team that that, that jumps out. and And the fact that they're still winning with Ty Berry out is really impressive. Um, and I mean, they won at Indiana. Ty Berry was out. Boo Booey starts 0 for 8 from the field. And Northwestern's up 16 with 6 and change to play. That was pretty unbelievable. I mean, they've done a good job. And if Chris Collins can get this team into the tournament, you got to consider him for like at least getting some Coach of the Year votes. Because to me, Coach of the Year, uh, you know, sometimes it's the person who overachieved. Matt Painter's done the best job by far with the program of anybody in the Big Ten. He's done the best job. That thing is very consistent. What they do is sustainable. Roster construction is, is, is what he wants. They were a little young in the backcourt last year, but those things happen. Um, but I think as far as overachieving on a positive, I probably lean Northwestern. Yeah. He's Jeff Rabjohns joining us here on The Fan. Uh, what are you hoping for? You know, like, give me the, the realistic hope and the – you know, the pie in the sky, kind of like augmented. This might be a little bit rich, but I'm hoping for this pie in the sky for IU from here on out. 
Oh, you mean you poor Indiana for the rest of the season? Just the rest of the season, yeah. Oh, man, I mean, if they get three more wins, then that's, you know, that, that, that I think that's probably, you know, pretty good job. I mean, they're underdogs in every remaining game. Um, even tonight at home against Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's favored. And, I mean, I'm talking about the, the predictive analytics. I'm not talking Vegas. I'm talking mm-hmm. the actual math. And so if they get three more wins, I think that'd be – now, that's probably about as good as it can get. Uh, and I'm not too sure they can get three more. Um, they can beat Nebraska, but they've also already lost to Nebraska. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then at Penn State, I don't know what's going on, but Indiana has all of a sudden decided that they can't play well at Penn State. Um, you know, Wisconsin's playing very well, playing at Maryland. You know, Maryland's had its ups and downs, but it's sort of kind of where Indiana is a little bit. Um, but that's a road game. Minnesota on the road and Michigan State at home. I mean, it, it's hard to look at the way Indiana is playing and and really predict three wins. So I think if they won three more the rest of the way, I'm sure people don't like hearing it. That's probably about as good as it's going to get. Man, I hate to say this, but you piqued my gambling interest over here. So if I'm reading you right, <laughs> right, with Nebraska and IU, are we taking the one and a half with the Cornhuskers? Maybe a little Nebraska go big red money line? Is that what's going on here tonight? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't bet on uh, on basketball or football or much at all. Um, so only because I like my money in my pocket. I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I don't know. I, I think Indiana has been so <clears throat> it's so inconsistent. I don't know what the betters would say. I don't know how Indiana's done against the spread. Um, again, I'm not really just. It's not really really my world. Um, so I, I, but I would be, Indiana has been so inconsistent. It would, I would be very cautious before gambling my money on them being consistent down the stretch. <laughs> I hear you. Did you catch Rick Pitino blasting his St. John's team? Did yeah, you hear any yeah. of that? Well, they're not very athletic. Yeah. 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 What do you think the reaction from the IU faithful would be if Mike Woodson blasted his IU team the same way. Well, I mean, he's he's already starting to criticize players by name. You know, after the uh, Northwestern game on the radio with Don Fisher, he said Malik Renault was terrible. Hmm. Um, he's called out players by names in a couple other losses. He's called out the guards. Um, he's called out Trey Galloway. So he has he hasn't gone quite as demonstrative. And put together like an entire five, six, seven paragraph rant, but but he has called guys out. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's one thing if you call guys out if if like there's something really you know they need to be called out. But like if it sounds like you're just blaming them, like oh everything was great, but so and so didn't play well, that sounds more like blame rather than we need to rebound better. You know, I need to get him in position to get him the ball. You know, when when, when you just single out guys, sometimes it just sounds like the blame game. And I'm not too sure that's ideal. You know, I don't know that that's something as coaches, you know, you want to have the reputation for doing because this isn't the NBA. You don't get draft picks. You can't automatically sign free agents. You have to recruit players to your team. And the good players have options besides you. So you really want to make sure that you're thinking about the big picture when you make some post-game comments to the media. Um, At least if I was someone's consigliere, that would be a point that I would make. But everybody's 
can do it their own way. But I, I Patino's rant when I when I when I heard like the one little snippet, it sounded bad. But in the whole, it didn't sound terrible. Mm-hmm. It really didn't. I mean, clearly, I think I'm in the minority on that. But he was just genuinely saying we're not very athletic, and, and there's a whole bunch of things we can't do because we're not very athletic. Like, well, that's true, Rick. You also kind of put this roster together. I think they got, what, like six, seven new players, something like that? And so it's like, what did you expect you were getting with some of those dudes? I mean, I covered some of those dudes in AAU. No, they're not very athletic. So did you think you were going to, like, you know, dip them in the East River and, you know, (laughs) magically make them, you know, an athlete? Um, Yeah. I don't know, but I I didn't think it was terrible. I really didn't. It It wasn't great. But the fact that he came out and said it's the least enjoyable year ever, mm-hmm. that sounded a little selfish. But the other comments really were just basketball comments. They were just very direct. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I've i got a, a different view on it, but I hear you. I hear your argument. I think that it was just a compilation. You know what I mean? If he would have said one or two things, it's like, okay, he's a bit upset. He just went on a diatribe. You know what I mean? So I think that's why <laughs> right. I caught – yeah, so much attention there. Uh, before you yeah, go, Jeff. I think that's true. Yeah, let's bookend it with a, I love your biker bar comment there. With a, <laughs> you know, Twitter can turn into that. Do you have any favorite biker bars in the Indianapolis area or beyond? I'm just curious. <laughs> I, I'm always up for a new experience here. I I'm, I don't know if there are any. I'm sure there are somewhere. I just don't know where they are. I, I really don't. I. Uh... Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question, but that's not something that uh, is in my wheelhouse, so to speak. Okay, well, maybe if we visit again, you've uh, you know you've come across one or two of them, and we'll we'll circle back to this. How's that? There you go, man. There you go. There you go. There you Perfect. Go. Well, fun hanging with you, Jeff. Thanks for your time today, man. Hope you have a good evening. Appreciate it, man. You too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. There he is, Jeff Rabjohns, covers IU hoops for Peaks dot com. Good stuff. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Please welcome in Kevin Bowen. My guy KB, you hear him on the mornings on the fan right here. KB, what have you been doing with your life these last couple of months, the last time we've talked, huh? Anything great? Boy, that's a great question. Um, gosh, not a whole lot. Was busy during All Star Weekend. Have enjoyed, I would argue, the quietest off season of any of the thirty-two NFL teams so far. The Indianapolis Colts. So that has been very nice. Selfishly, um, watching my Notre Dame men's basketball program play uh, mostly awful. Although a two-game win streak, we'll try to stretch it to three tonight at Louisville. And yeah, I feel like. That kind of cover, and I guess being a parent and, and a husband, that's about it. <laughs> That'll cover a lot of ground right there, right? That'll take a, a lot of time. The, the whole husband-parent uh, thing, you know? It's uh, quite the job requirement right there. Um, How's everything in your world? Pretty good, man. I can't complain. Um, I could, but no one would care, you know? But not bad. Just plugging away, uh, watching some college hoops. And uh, you know me. I'm just a sports junkie, but... Other than that, um, playing guitar here and there, uh, just generally annoying my girlfriend from time to time, that you know, (laughs) sort of thing. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming out of the bullpen here when we've we've needed it, so thank you for that. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, You know, real fast, you kind of 
caught my attention with the Notre Dame hoops thing. Weren't high expectations for Notre Dame hoops, right? But it's been a, a rough, rough season. There were higher expectations for IU, and it's been a rough season. So is this a no-brainer that it's been a, a more disappointing season for IU compared to I, – I know it has been, but th- like a better way to ask it would be who's fallen shorter of expectations? I know there were higher for Indiana – they weren't high for Notre Dame, but who's been lower in terms of reaching their expectations? Oh, yeah, I mean, easily IU. Yeah, Notre Dame was picked to finish last in the ACC, and um, I want to say they lost like 99% of their points, rebounds, and assists, 98.6%, just something like that. I thought Michael Shrewsbury maybe could have been a little bit more aggressive transfer portal-wise, but hey, he kind of walked in there and said, you know what? There's no need to rush things here. We're going to be patient with it. Hell, they've already won more ACC games this year than they did last year, which probably isn't a great indication of Mike Bray's final season. But, yeah, I mean, Indiana's the one that has you know, got the litany of five stars and four stars. And, um, yeah, I, I would say compared to where the expectations were within that conference, um, sure, Indiana lost a good amount, but still they reloaded in a very notable way. And I don't think anybody thought, you know, whatever their Ken Palm ranking, if you want to go off that, would be, I think, the worst uh, the program's had since the final year of Tom Green. You're diehard. You're watching all these Notre Dame games? Yeah, I got issues. Yeah, I got, I got, um, I got issues. Uh, took uh, took the kids and, and my wife up there to the Virginia Tech game. That was a great win. I thought about storming the floor, but um, decided to hold off on that. Uh, I was glad to see Virginia Tech win uh, the other night over UVA to improve that. Well, I guess they beat both those teams now that I think about The very rare ACC wins they've, they've had. So, yeah, blame my older brother. He's five and a half years older than me, and he instilled in me a very young age. We are going to cheer for Notre Dame football. We're going to cheer for Notre Dame basketball. And honestly, I have just – I mean, I love Notre Dame football, but I really love Notre Dame basketball. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm such There's a fair weather Notre Dame world, hoops Brian. fan. Yeah. I'm so fair weather when it's hoops. When they stink, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I watch every Notre Dame football game, no matter how much they're, how terrible they are. The 07 season, they were three and nine, and my beloved uh, Miami Dolphins were one and fifteen. KB, my combined team record for my squads was four and twenty-four that year. You know, it was a long year. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think uh, outside of the family, I think my brother and I, and shout out to good buddy Shane Bryant from college, I think we're the only ones that watch every Notre Dame basketball game. So uh, the Elite Eight runs were pretty special. I'm hoping Michael Shrewsbury, and I believe he will drum another couple of those runs up. Uh, probably going to be a couple of years before that even becomes a thought, but uh, I'm hoping they can get back there. I'm hoping there were more than like that one person that stormed the court when Detroit Mercy won, <laughs> please tell me it was a like a legitimate court storming. Yeah, I, well, again, I, I decided to hold back on the court storm. Figured it was probably best for my, uh, you know, whatever for uh, any sort of uh, embarrassment that I did not do that. But I did storm one time. They beat Louisville in five overtimes. Do you remember that? Uh, game day, Patino versus – it was the year Louisville won it all. And, again, I bring it up in Notre Dame basketball games. This is a pretty iconic college basketball game. Game day was there, and uh, Notre Dame beat them in five OTs. Um, uh, that is the one time I have stormed inside the Joyce Center. 
Nice. I've got two mm-hmm. random stories for you, KB. One's uh, football and one's basketball for Notre Dame. So, like the court storming stuff, it just got me thinking about it. So, um, the first one was, this wasn't court storming, but I was doing updates for an ESPN radio show game night way back when. This is like 2004 or five, something like that. And so, I'm in the arena. I'm courtside. I have one of these old school phones like pressed against my ear. It was so loud in there. They're playing Syracuse. And I hear on the other end, it's like, and I'm like, I think I heard my name. And I just start going. I'm just like, uh, Notre Dame leads 24 to 22 early on here, blah, 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 whatever. The next one I did, someone got hurt, KB. And you could hear a freaking pin drop. And they're like, let's go to Brian with the latest. <laughs> I felt oh, so gosh. bad to be like, uh, yeah, so uh, someone just got injured right now. It was so strange, man. An odd experience I had back then. Uh, sadly, that's probably one of the few highlights for the program over the last <laughs> – no, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Mike Bray did a hell of a job there. It was time to go. And, uh, yes, I am thrilled with the Mike of Shrewsbury. I, I, ironically, no, we don't need to stay on the Notre Dame basketball topic, although I, I will happily do that. Uh, last year, when uh, Jake and I were doing the morning show after the hire of Micah Shrewsbury, I did three hours of radio without my shirt on. That was where I was at after there that, you go. that hire. There. Nice. Yeah. yeah, very nice right there. You're fired up about that. I, I think it'll pay dividends. It's just early. It's rough uh, early on. Uh, we'll get to the college football playoff in a second, but the quick Notre Dame football story I have for you. This is more about court storming or storming the field, if you will. I don't remember which game this was. It might have been the epic snow game against Penn State in 92. They they scored the go-ahead touchdown. Jerome Bettis caught it. And then Rick Meyer hits Reggie Brooks for two points, and they beat Penn State. It might have been that game. But I was on the field right after it. And the only thing I remember is some of the ushers or security, they were literally hip-tossing anybody away from the goalposts as they were trying to bring him down. I don't know if it was that game or some other game around that similar time frame, but literally, dude, they were grabbing people and hip-tossing the get away from the goalposts. It was crazy. (laughs) Well, I was three years old, but I've seen enough images of the 92 game against Penn State to – to believe that i was again uh sharing my own i was at the bush push game at 05 i was too uh, i was there too yeah yeah you want to talk about you know heart being ripped out and i mean hell the ohio state game this year uh gosh yeah my voice was struggling on that monday after dude i uh it's so bad i i can remember we could nerd out on this stuff man i remember (laughs) trevor laws had the sack it was like 30 20 yeah, there's a little yeah. little pass to Reggie Bush, sets up fourth and nine. And then our guy, Ashley Ambrose, gets burned by Dwayne Jarrett, and that set up the further calamity. That, that was rough, man. Very rough. What do you think, KB, if we bring it to the now, what do you think about this new 12-team playoff model and uh, an independent like Notre Dame? They can't earn a first-round bye. Um you understand it or are you opposed to it where do you stand on that 
Yeah, I, I, I understand it. I mean, there has to be some, I guess, punishment maybe, if that is the right word, for not being in a conference. Or I, I should probably say you have to sacrifice something, and that's what they are doing here. In this instance, um, yeah, again, you know, 12-team playoff, 1-4 to four will get buys, and even if Notre Dame is whatever, the number two seed, uh, they cannot get a buy, so they would fall to that five line and really have to win, you know, four games in about five weeks. Now, the counter to that is people say, well, this is what, you know, they don't, they don't play in a conference championship game. To me, I just can't compare the conference title game to a first-round playoff game. Um, you know, no matter what happens next year, Let's just say LSU loses in the SEC title. Let's say Oregon loses in the Big Ten title. The runner-up in the Big Ten and the runner-up in the SEC will certainly make the college football playoff. There's no doubt about it with how those conferences are structured. If Notre Dame loses their, and I say in quotes, their conference championship game, it'll be, you know, one of the first, you know, round playoff games. Obviously, their season will be over. So the ramifications to me are totally different. Um, those conference title games are not win or go home. Uh, to me, it's just kind of a, a, a bonus game unless you're way outside of the playoff picture. And remember, we're not doing divisions anymore in those conferences. So it's not like you're going to have a three or four loss, uh, you know, Big Ten West representative like we seemingly have had every single year. Um, this is not necessarily Notre Dame related, but in a way it is. I would love to see for the campus site games mm. to extend for one more round. Oh. Uh, Andy and I talked about this this morning. So, again, under this format, the four games we'll get on the opening weekend, five versus 12, six versus 11, seven, 10, eight, nine, those will all be at campus venues. And I cannot wait for those atmospheres. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see warm weather SEC team in Happy Valley, potentially in the snow, in the middle of December on a Saturday night. Like, that, it, it, like inject that into my veins. And then for Notre Dame, obviously, that's a bonus because, yeah, they could be hosting, you know, one of those games. But I would like for that to extend one more round. Like, the quarterfinal, and I get it, the Bulls, we just bow down to the Bulls. But I would like to see the one, two, three, and four seeds have that advantage of hosting one game as well. And then you could go neutral for the semifinals and the final there. So, uh, that is a part of it that I would uh, that I would like to see change. But uh, again, I, I I wasn't born yesterday. I know how college athletics and college football works. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I even go. I think it should just. I think it should be exactly like the NFL. I think that every game should be a home game, with the exception of the championship. NFL has the Super Bowl at a neutral site. I think every college football playoff game should be on a home campus except for the championship game. Like this idea well, my of... idea was somewhat realistic. Your idea is totally not <laughs> You know how college athletics work. I do. Right? I mean, like... I do. I get it. I know how it goes, but... Dude, like, oh, we've had the Fiesta Bowl. Screw the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl does nothing in terms of the atmosphere that you can have at a home stadium. And I know there's money tied to it. They're negotiating, like, a billion dollars of money in terms of a six-year contract extension. Like, they're not aching for cash. It'd be so much better for college football. Yeah, I, I get that again, that is dreaming of all dreams. Um, I would love that, certainly. I also think, you know, you're going to get into a little bit of a portal situation here where, hell, if you're the backup of a Final Four team, and boy, second semester starting up at that next school, I mean, we're not playing a national title game until, like, 
really, I think it's like that Martin Luther King weekend. Like usually when that falls, I mean, we're going to be deep yeah. into January, but that's another element to it. But again, Notre Dame has a lot of advantages. They've created a lot of those advantages. I, I, I like to whine and moan, and, and, but I don't really have a big gripe with it outside of the, man, four games in five weeks. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, you're going to be like you're going to be playing some really good football teams to go on that run, and you know if you stretched it to the bye, those teams are three games in four weeks. I know it just sounds like one game, but you know I, I felt like when Notre Dame has gotten on that stage, oftentimes, whatever Notre Dame's top five or six could maybe hold their own, but you know depth I think is what catches up to them against some of those nation elite. And I, I'd be worried about, you know, four games in five weeks. Yeah, he's Kevin Bowen from the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy joining us here on The Fan. So um, let's talk a little bit of Colts here, right? Combine right around the corner. Um, give me a player or two that you got your eye on in terms of the combine and especially for the draft, the wish list for you, KB, as far as the Colts go. Well, the easy name would be Brock Bowers. And I think just NFL-wide, you know, tight end is a position that, you know, I think if you look at the top ten tight ends in the NFL, you know, there's not a ton of them drafted in round one, if really any. Um, You know, the final four teams all had great tight ends, and I don't believe any of them were drafted in round one. Kelsey was round three. Kittle was round five. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Sam Laporta was round two. Mark Andrews was round three. So, it's a position that, that tells you the top of the class, you don't necessarily need to spend that high of a pick on. But then you look at Bowers and you're like, man, this dude dominated the SEC. And is he the exception to the rule? And, and is calling him a tight end unfair? Can he do a little bit more as both a blocker and a pass catcher? You know, I think you've seen mock drafts where he's going as high as five, and you've seen others where he drops late into the teens. Um, so that is a name, um, especially with the Colts not having a number one tight end. Uh, that'll be something that I'm watching. And I would say just in general, maybe not as much prospect-related, because I mean, you could nerd out over the fourth wide out or the second or third corner. I always like to get out of the combine because it's the first time you've put underclassmen together with the upperclassmen for the draft. Where's the depth? Because I think that matters. You know, if you are – and by all accounts, it's a great wideout class, good tackle, maybe some corner depth as well, and not as good defensive draft. Well, it – in my opinion, the Colts have two needs pretty high, and that would be wide out and or pass catcher or edge rusher. Um, I still think that's a need, even though some might disagree with that. Well, if you're going to tell me that, you know, wide receiver eight is the same as, you know, edge rusher two, Mm -hmm. if you're going to like rank them like that, if you're sitting there at 15 overall and you could take the third wide out or the first edge rusher, and you know in the middle of round two, you might get that wideout that's equivalent to the other edge rusher, you're going to wait on wideout if you believe in paying attention to draft depth. So um, that's always kind of an annual thing combine-wise that I like to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, how do you think it goes with Pittman Jr., right? I, I, I anticipate you're expecting a tag. Do you expect a long-term extension this offseason, them coming to an agreement also? Yeah, I, I think eventually you will get there. You know, Chris Ballard has never been one to do things early. And this franchise tag window, we're in day two of 14 days. Uh, I I think we'll probably have to wait, you know, pretty close to the end of that deadline. If you tag Pittman then, you technically could wait till mid-July to give him an extension. That's what the NFL 
um, calendar reads. And sure, Pittman might opt to say, all right, well, if that's the case, I don't really want to participate in the offseason program. Maybe the Colts would have urgency to get something done prior to that. Maybe they feel like the numbers match up and all sides, is, it, it, it's gravy and they just move on. But, you know, again, I, I can live in reality here. And this might be a little pipe dreamy here, Brian, but part of me says this. You tag him. He's under contract for 2024. He can't hit the open market on March 13th. He's not a free agent. And you just kind of push that to the side and you let free agency play out. You let the draft play out. And if anything crazy happens, you haven't guaranteed Michael Pittman whatever, $50 million of the $90 million contract. You haven't given him that long-term deal yet. And if you've got some team that real crazy happens, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, it's the night of the draft. We don't feel like A.J. Brown's going to fit. We'd like to trade him. Oh, okay, wow, we didn't see this coming. Are you in a position – to entertain those offers, to entertain those possibilities. If you give Pittman, you know, that long-term deal right here, right now, does that take you away from any potential, and I stress Mm -hmm. potential, conversations like that? Again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I guarantee you Philadelphia a couple years ago on February 21st didn't think that that was going to be there for you. So that would be something where, Okay, you let free agency play out. You let the draft play out. Maybe you get to early May. And at that point, the bulk of the major NFL offseason stuff has passed. Maybe that's when you say, all right, we know we want Pittman. Nothing else happened. Let's give him the long-term deal. And boom, he's ready to go for OTAs and for minicamp with Anthony Richardson. But that's just a little wiggle with the franchise tag that I'm curious if they would entertain at all. No, it's I hear what you're saying, man. Um I think we both fully expect him to be a member of the Colts, but you're right. It's this, hey, you never quite know for sure. So with that being said, what percentage chance would you put it at that Pittman Jr. has played his last down for the Colts? 10%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it, the question that I asked, and I tweeted out a link to a story that I wrote on Pittman a few weeks ago. The question I asked, and, and, and tweet out the article was, okay, for those that don't feel like Pittman should be brought back, explain to me plan B. And, like, oh, and, and please keep it realistic. Uh, what is that? And, you know, people, and I appreciated them sending in, you know, various whatever, plan B options and this and that, but none of it made sense. None of it, like, to me, was supporting Anthony Richardson in the type of um, you know, to the type of degree that I think you need to do that. So, yeah, I just um, – I can't see it happening. I mean, Chris Bauer has paid non-premium positions handsomely before. Well, now you've got a premium position, and you've got the 21-year-old rookie quarterback. You just can't – you can't skimp. You can't shortcut. I've said that a million times. You can't do that at the weapons for uh, Richardson. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, but that's that's the interesting part to me is – Pittman Jr.'s agent knows that. Pittman Jr. knows it, right? The price tag is just going up and up. If sure. you've got leverage yeah, like is, that, yeah. And, and that's what's going to make it fascinating to see what that final number is. Um, yeah. That's so, yeah. what my head is, too. It's like, what could help the Colts leverage? You know what I mean? Not that they would do it, but is there a legitimate plan B where you laid it out, where there's this crazy scenario where maybe there's a big-name wide receiver and they could go that direction? 
Is there a, a potential wide receiver that could fall to the Colts and they would at least be in line to draft that guy and go a different route? You know what I mean? To just help them in negotiating. That's what I think about this Pittman Jr. thing mainly. Boy, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any leverage. <laughs> Again, if you're Pittman's agent, you say, "Hey, let's watch that Atlanta Falcons game from this past year when my when my when my client wasn't on the field." Hey, let's uh, let's go through the list of quarterbacks that my client has played with in Indy, and you tell me where those guys are now. And yep. that's yeah, yeah. It just uh, it's an unfortunate situation to be in, but that's a reality. No doubt. All right, KB, what's on the agenda tonight? We got some Irish hoops. What else is going on there? Well, yeah, we got a little Irish hoopage, 7 o'clock. I think we're, we're, we're going to go a little tacos, I think, for the Bowen household here. Uh, nice. Here tonight. So we'll go a little taco action. Uh, I liked it. You know, I can get through a good chunk of the Notre Dame game before IU hits the floor against the Fighting Hoybergs coming up at uh, at 8.30. So uh, get, get, get a little hoopage in there. It's been kind of a quiet week so far. The Pacers not playing until Thursday. Purdue not playing until Thursday. So glad to get back into it a little bit. You know, real fast, KB, the homemade tacos that I personally enjoy the most include little, like, rectangles, little chunks of Velveeta cheese. Now, many of my friends think this is sacrilegious. I contend it's freaking delicious, and I will not apologize. Do you think this is uh, just a step too far here, going Velveeta cheese in the homemade tacos? Well, when you first off said chunks, I was a little nervous where you were going with that. Um, so I'll admit that I didn't get off to a swimming start in my mind. I am a man of tradition. I am a man of a third-grade palate as well. Yeah. Um, but I do love cheese. Uh, I, I I might need to see a picture. I, I there, There's some intrigue here, but okay. I'm probably going to stick with how I've operated for 34 years in this earth. You know, I will do that. The next time I have homemade tacos, I'll take a picture and I'll throw it on X, tag you there, and then you can let me know if you think. You know, I'll give you a, a, a mediocre sort of thumbs up, you know, a little shaky or a clear thumbs down. No, you, that's a step too far, man. Perfect. It will be your most engaged tweet here of 2024. <laughs> Perfect, man. All right, KB, thanks for the time, man. Hope you have a good night. You bet, Brian. Have a good one, man. You too. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Wake up call with KB and Andy. Good stuff.